0: Bible in a Year, Week Four, beginning off at Genesis thirty-nine, and running through to forty-one, including a few stops in between. Um, hopefully, you've been enjoying it so far. Uh, if you've any feedback, let me know at Johnny J O N N Y at jwfraser.com, dot com. It's J O N N Y at So we continue in Genesis thirty-nine, the ascent of Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favour in his master's sight and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was in all that he owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. After some time his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, Sleep with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. So how could I do such great evil and sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants was there, She grabbed him by his garment and said sleep with me but leaving his garment in her hand he escaped and ran outside. When she realized that he had left his garment with her and had run outside she called the household servants. Look she said to them my husband brought a Hebrew man to us to make fun of us. He came to me so he could sleep with me and I screamed as loud as I could. When he heard me screaming for help he left his garment with me and ran outside. She put Joseph's garment beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the same story. The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to me to make fun of me. But when I screamed for help, he left his garment with me and ran outside. When his master heard the story his wife told him, these are the things your slave did to me, he was furious. And had him thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority and he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and the Lord made everything that he did successful. And then we'll jump in and out of some other uh, books and some other genealogies. Exodus 616 these are the names of the sons of Levi according to their genealogy: Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Levi lived one hundred and thirty-seven years. Numbers three seventeen. These were Levi's sons by name: Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. 1 Chronicles six verse one. Levi's sons: Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. 1 Chronicles six sixteen. Levi's sons: Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And then we go back into Genesis forty. After this, the king of Egypt's cupbearer and his beggar offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the, cheap cup, cheap, the chief cup, cupbearer and the chief beggar, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned Joseph to them, and he became their personal attendant, and they were in custody for some time. The cupbearer and the becker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each had a dream. Both had a dream in the same night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they looked distraught. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces sad today? We had dreams, they said to him, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph, "'In my dream there was a vine in front of me. "'On the vine there were three branches. "'As soon as it budded, its blossoms came out "'and its clusters ripened into grapes. "'Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, "'squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, "'and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. "'This is its interpretation,' Joseph said to him. "'The three branches are three days.' In just three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. You will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand the way you used to when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well for you, remember that it was I with you. Please show kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should put me in this dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was positive, He said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Three baskets of white bread were on my head. In the top basket were all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is its interpretation, Joseph replied. The three baskets are three days. In just three days Pharaoh will lift off your head from off you and hang you on a tree. There the birds will eat the flesh from your body. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he gave a feast for all his servants. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief beggar. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position as cupbearer, but he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief beggar, just as Joseph had explained to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Going back to Genesis 35, 28-29. Isaac lived 180 years. He took his last breath and died and was gathered to his people old and full of days. His sons Esau and Jacob buried him back into Genesis 41. Two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing beside the Nile when seven healthy-looking, well-fed cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, sickly and thin, came up from the Nile and stood beside those cows along the bank of the Nile. The sickly, thin cows ate the healthy, well-fed cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. Seven heads of grain, full and good, came up in one stock. After them, seven heads of grain, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven full, good ones. Then Pharaoh woke up and it was only a dream. When morning came, he was troubled, so he summoned all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I remember my faults. Pharaoh had been angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief beggar in the custody of the captain of the guard. He and I had dreams in the same night. Each dream had its own meaning. Now a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain of the guards, was with us there. He told him our dreams, we told him our dreams, he interpreted our dreams for us and each had its own interpretation. It turned out just the way he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph and they quickly brought him from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes and went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream but no one can interpret it. I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. I am not able to, Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is God who will give Pharaoh a favourable answer. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing in the bank of the Nile when seven well-fed, healthy-looking cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. After them seven other cows, ugly, very sickly and thin, came up. I've never seen such ugly ones as these in all the land of Egypt. Then the thin, ugly cows ate the first seven well-fed cows. When they had devoured them, you could not tell that they had devoured them. Their appearance was as bad as it had been before. Then I woke up. In my dream I also had seen seven heads of grain, full and good, coming up on one stalk. After them seven heads of grain, withered thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of green swallowed the seven full ones. I told this to the magicians, but no one can tell me what it means. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, "Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams mean the same thing. The seven thin ugly cows that came up after them are seven years." And the seven worthless scorched heads of grain are seven years of famine. It is just as I told Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. After them seven years of famine will take place and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will devastate the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it for the famine will be very severe. Because the dream was given twice to Pharaoh, it means that the matter has been determined by God and he will soon carry it out. So now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Let them gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming, store the grain under the Pharaoh's authority as food in the cities and preserve it. The food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. Then the country will not be wiped out by the famine. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone like this, a man who has the Spirit of God in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there was there is no one as intelligent, as wise as you. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen garments, and placed a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in his second chariot, and servants called out before him, A breck! So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your permission, no one will be able to raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. There we day, end day 22. End of day 23 of the Bible in a year, and we continue through Genesis 41, going right up until 43, verse 14. We continue the story of Joseph. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphifanath-panath and gave him a wife, Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, the priest at On. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the, surface of Pharaoh, the, surface? the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Uh, I just can't talk sometimes, so this might be one of those days. Apologies for that. Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout the land of Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced outstanding harvests. Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and placed it in the cities. He placed the food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. Two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine arrived. Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest on, bore them to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, meaning God has made me forget all my hardship in my father's house. And the second son he named Ephraim, meaning God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Skipping back to Genesis 38, 6-30. to Judah got a wife for Er, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Now Er, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Sleep with your brother's wife. Perform your duty as her brother-in-law and produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he released his semen in the ground so that he would not produce offspring for his brother. What he did was evil in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death also. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelagh grows up, for he thought he might die too like his brother. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had finished mourning, he and his friend Hera the Adulmanite went up to Timnah to the sheep shearers. Tamar was told, Your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's clothes veiled her face, covered herself, and sat at the entrance to Enam, which is on the way to Timnah. For she saw that, though Sheila had grown up, she had not been given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He went over to her and said, Come, let me sleep with you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me for sleeping with me? "'I will send you a young goat from my flock,' he replied. "'But,' she said, "'only if you leave something with me until you send it.' "'What should I give you?' he asked. "'She answered, "'Your signet ring, your cord, and the staff in your hand.' "'So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she got pregnant by him. "'She got up and left, then removed her veil and put her widow's clothes back on. "'When Judah sent a young goat by his friend, the Adulmanite, "'in order to get back the items he had left with the woman,' He could not find her. He asked the men of the place, Where is the cult prostitute who was beside the road in him? There has been no cult prostitute here, they answered. So the adulmanite returned to Judah, saying, I couldn't find her, and furthermore, the men of the place said, There has been no cult prostitute here. Judah replied, Let her keep the items for herself. Otherwise we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send this young goat, but you couldn't find her. About three months later Judah was told your daughter-in-law has been acting like a prostitute and now she is pregnant. Bring her out Judah said let her be burned to death. As she was being brought out she sent her father-in-law this message I am pregnant by the man to whom these items belong and she added examine them whose signet ring cord and staff are these. Judah recognized them and said she is more in the right than I since I did not give her to my son Shelah and he did not know her intimately again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twins in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand, and the midwife took it and tied a scarlet thread around it, announcing, this one came out first. But then he pulled his hand back, and his brother came out. Then she said, you have broken out first, so he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread tied to his hand, came out, and his name was Zerah. First Chronicles 2 verse 4 Judah's daughter-in-law Tamar bore him Perez and Zerah. Judah had five sons in all. And then back into Genesis 41 verse 53 Then the seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in every country, but throughout the land of Egypt there was food. Extreme hunger came to all the land of Egypt, and the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. Pharaoh told all Egypt, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Because the famine had spread across the whole country, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The whole world came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, for the famine was severe over all the earth. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you keep looking at each other? Listen, he went on, I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us, so that we will live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's son Benjamin with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Joseph was in charge of the country. He sold grain to all its people. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. "'Where do you come from?' he asked. "'From the land of Canaan to buy food,' they replied." Although Joseph recognised his brothers, they did not recognise him. Joseph remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the weakness of the land. No, my lord. Your servants have come to buy food, they said. We are all sons of one man. We are honest. Your servants are not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see the weakness of the land. But they replied, We, your servant, were twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and there is no one no longer living. Then Joseph said to them, I have spoken, you are spies. This is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place until your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be imprisoned so that your words can be tested to see if they are true. If they are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. So Joseph imprisoned them together for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I fear God, do this and you will live. If you are honest men, let one of you be confined to the guard house while the rest of you go and take grain to relieve the hunger of your households. Bring your youngest brother to me so that your words can be confirmed. Then you won't die. And they consented to this. Then they said to each other, It is plain that we are being punished for what we did to our brother. We saw his deep distress when he pleaded with us, but we would not listen. That is why this trouble has come to us. But Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to harm the boy, but you wouldn't listen? Now we must account for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph understood them, since there was an interpreter between them. He turned away from them and wept. Then he turned back and spoke to them. He took Simeon from them and had him bound before their eyes. Joseph then gave orders to fill their containers with grain, return each man's money to his sack and give them provisions for their journey. This order was carried out. They loaded the grain on their donkeys and left there. At the place where they lodged for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey and saw his money there at the top of his bag. He said to his brothers, My money has been returned, it's here in my bag. Their hearts sank. Trembling, they turned to one another and said, What is this that God has done to us? When they reached their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. The man who is the lord of the country spoke harshly to us and accused us of spying on the country, but we told him, We are honest men and not spies. We were twelve brothers, sons of the same father. One is no longer living, and the youngest is now with her father in the land of Canaan. The man who is the lord of the country said to us, This is how I will know if you are honest men. Leave one brother with me. Take food to relieve the hunger of your households and go. Bring back your youngest brother to me and I will know that you are not spies but honest men. I will then give your brother back to you and you can trade in the country. As they began emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his bag of money. When they and their father saw their bags of money, they were afraid. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my sons. Joseph is gone and Simeon is gone. Now you want to take Benjamin. Everything happens to me. Then Reuben said to his father, You can kill my two sons if I don't bring him back to you. Put him in my care and I will return him to you. But Jacob answered, My son will not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he alone is left. If anything happens to him on your journey, you will bring my grey hairs down to Sheol in sorrow. Now the famine in the land was severe. When they had used up the grain they had brought back from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us some food. But Judah said to him, The man specifically warned us, You will not see me again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go. For the man said to us, You will not see me again unless your brother is with you. Why did you cause me so much trouble? Israel asked. Why did you tell the man that you had another brother? They, asked, they answered, The man kept asking about us and our family. Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? And we answered him accordingly. How could we know that he would say, Bring your brother here? Then Judah said to his father, Israel, Send the boy with me. We will be on our way so that we may live and not die. Neither we nor you nor our children I will be responsible for him. You can hold me personally accountable. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will be guilty before you forever. If we had not wasted time, we could have come back twice by now. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your packs and take them down to the man as a gift, some balsam and some honey, aromatic gum and resin, pistachios and almonds. Take twice as much money with you. Return the money that was returned to you in the top of your bags. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also, and go back at once to the man. May God Almighty cause the man to be merciful to you, so that he will release your brother Benjamin and you. As for me, if I am deprived of my sons, then I am deprived. The End of Day 23 Day 24, reading from Genesis 43, it's a long one today, reading to 48, verse 22, and with a little stop off, in Exodus 1, to 1-5 in the middle, uh, and still the, the story of Joseph continues. The men took this gift, double the amount of money, and Benjamin. They made their way down to Egypt, and, and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his steward, take the men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare it, for they will eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph had said and brought them to Joseph's house. But the men were afraid because they were taken to Joseph's house. They said, We have been brought here because of the money that was returned in our bags the first time. They intend to overpower us, seize us, make us slaves and take our donkeys. So they approached Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the doorway of the house. They, sir, they said, Sir, we really did come down here the first time only to buy food when we came to the place where we lodged for the night and opened our bags of grain each one's money was at the top of his bag it was the full amount of our money and we have brought it back with us we have brought additional money with us to buy food we don't know who put our money in the bags then the steward said may you be well don't be afraid your god and the god of your father must have put treasure in your bags for I received your money then he brought Simeon out to them the man brought the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and got feed for the donkeys. Since the men had heard that they were going to eat a meal there, they prepared their gift for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came home, they brought him the gift they had carried into the house, and they bowed to the ground before him. He asked if they were well, and he said, How is your elderly father that you told me about? Is he still alive? They answered, Your servant or father is well. He is still alive. And they bowed down to honour him. When he looked up and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother that you told me about? Then he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out because he was overcome with emotion for his brother and he was about to weep. He went into an inner room to weep. Then he washed his face and came out. Regaining his composure, he said, Serve the meal. They served him by himself, his brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who were eating with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, since that is abhorrent to them. They were seated before him in order by age, from the firstborn to the youngest. The men looked at each other in astonishment. Portions were served to them from Joseph's table, and Benjamin's portion was five times larger than any of theirs. They drank, and they got drunk with Joseph. Then Joseph commanded his steward, Fill the men's bags with as much food as they can carry, and put each one's money at the top of his bag. Put my cup, the silver one, at the top of the youngest one's bag, along with his grain money. So he did as Joseph told him. At morning light, the men were sent off with their donkeys. They had not got very far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Get up, pursue the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? "'Isn't this the cup that my master drinks from and uses for divination? What, have, "'What you have done is wrong.' "'When he overtook them, he said these words to him. "'They said to him, "'Why does my lord say these things? "'Your servants could not possibly do such a thing. "'We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan "'the money we found at the top of our bags. "'How could we steal gold and silver from your master's house? "'If any of us is found to have it, he must die, "'and we also will become my lord's slaves.' The steward replied, What you have said is proper, but only the one who is found to have it will be my slave, and the rest of you will be blameless. So each one quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. The steward searched, beginning with the oldest and the ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and each one loaded his donkey and returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers reached Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell to the ground before him. What is this you have done? Joseph said to them. Didn't you know that a man like me could uncover the truth by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. How can we plead? How can we justify ourselves? God has exposed your servants iniquity. We are now my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession this cup was found. Then Joseph said, I swear that I will not do this. The man in whose possession the cup was found will be my slave. The rest of you can go in peace to your father. But Judah approached him and said, Sir, please let your servant speak personally to my lord. Do not be angry with your servant, for you are like Pharaoh. My lord asks his servant, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, My lord, We have an elderly father and a young brother, the child of his old age. The boy's brother is dead. He is the only one of his mother's sons left and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him to me so that I can see him. But we said to my lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he were to leave, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, if your younger brother does not come down with you, you will not see me again. This is what happened when we went back to your servant, my father. We reported your words to him, but our father said, go again and buy us some food. We told him, we cannot go down unless your our younger brother goes with us. But if your younger brother isn't with us, we cannot see the man. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons, one left. I said that he must have been torn to pieces and I have never seen him again. And you, if you also take this one from me and bring anything happens to him, you will bring my grey hairs down to Sheol and sorrow." So, if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, his life is wrapped up with the boy's life. When he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. Then your servant will have brought the grey hairs of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. Your servant became accountable to my father for the boy, saying, If I do not return him to you, I will always bear the guilt for sinning against you, my father. Now, please, Let your servant remain here as my lord's slave in place of the boy. Let him go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father without the boy? I could not bear to see the grief that would overwhelm my father. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all his attendants, so he called out, Send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers, but he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still living? But his brothers were too terrified to answer him. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me, and they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you slew into Egypt, and now don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here, because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without ploughing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land, and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Return quickly to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your sheep, cattle and all that you have. There I will sustain you, for there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise you, your household and everything you will have will become destitute. Look, your eyes and my brother's Benjamin eyes can see that it is I, Joseph, who am speaking to you. Tell my father all about my glory in Egypt and about all you have seen and bring my father here quickly. Then Joseph threw his arms around Benjamin and wept and Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept and afterwards his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and go back to the land of Canaan. Get your father and your households and come back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can eat from the richness of the land. You are also commanded, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your young children, your wives, and bring your father here. Do not be concerned about your belongings, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them wagons as Pharaoh had commanded, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave each of the brothers changes of clothes, but he gave Benjamin 300 pieces of silver and five changes of clothes. He sent his father the following, 10 donkeys carrying the best products of Egypt and 10 female donkeys carrying grain, food, and provisions for his father on the journey. So Joseph sent his brothers on their way, and as they were leaving, he said to them, Don't argue on the way. So they went up from Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They said, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned for he did not believe them. But when they told Jacob all that Joseph had said to them and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, Enough, my son Joseph is still alive. I will go to see him before I die. Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. That night God spoke to Israel in a vision, Jacob, Jacob, he said, and Jacob replied, here I am. God said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt and I will also bring you back. Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. Jacob left Beersheba. The sons of Israel took their father Jacob in the wagons Pharaoh had sent to carry him, along with their children and their wives. They also took their cattle and possessions they had acquired in the land of Canaan. Then Jacob and all his children with him went to Egypt. His sons and grandsons, his daughters and granddaughters, indeed all his offspring, he brought with him to Egypt. These are the names of the Israelites, Jacob and his descendants, who went to Egypt. Jacob's firstborn, Reuben. Reuben's sons, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. Simeon's sons, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jashin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Cain-like woman. Levi's sons, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Judah's sons, Er, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Er and Onan died in the land of Cain. Perez's sons, Hezron, and Hamul. Ishkar's sons Tola, Puvah, Jashub and Shimron Zebulun's sons Zerid, Elon, and Jahil These were Leah's sons born to Jacob and Padan Aram as well as his daughter Dinah The total number of persons 33 Gad's sons Zephian, Haji, Shuni, Esbon, Ari, Arodi and Areli Asher's sons Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, Beriah and their sisters Serah Beriah's sons were Heber and Machiliel. These were the sons of Zilpah whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah that she bore to Jacob. Sixteen persons. The sons of Jacob's wife Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. Manasseh and Ephraim were born to Joseph in the land of Egypt. They were born to him by Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, a priest at On. Benjamin's sons, Bela, Becher, Ashbel, Gerah, Naman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupim, Hopim, and Ard. These were Rachel's sons who were born to Jacob, 14 persons. Dan's sons, Hashum, Naphtali's sons, Jazil, Guni, Jazer, and Shemil. These were the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Rachel. She bore to Jacob seven persons. The total number of persons belonging to Jacob, his direct descendants, not including the wives of Jacob's sons who came to Egypt, 66. And Joseph's sons who were born to him in Egypt, two persons. All those of Jacob's household who had come to Egypt was seventy persons. And here we skip into Exodus 1, 1 to 5, just to tie in the chronological. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Each came with his family: Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Ishkar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The total number of Jacob's descendants was 70. Joseph was already in Egypt. And then back into Genesis 46, continuing on to 48. Now Jacob had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to prepare for his arrival at Goshen. When they came to the land of Goshen, Joseph hitched the horses to his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. Joseph presented himself to him, threw his arms around him, and wept for a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, At last I can die, now that I have seen your face and know you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and inform Pharaoh, telling him, My brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds, indeed they raise livestock. They have brought their sheep and cattle and all that they have. When the Pharaoh addresses you and asks, What is your occupation? You are to say, Your servants, both we and our fathers, have raised livestock from our youth until now. Then you will be allowed to settle in the land of Goshen, since all shepherds are abhorrent to Egyptians. So Joseph went and informed Pharaoh, My father and my brothers with their sheep and cattle and all that they have have come from the land of Canaan, and now are in the land of Goshen. He took five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh, Then Pharaoh asked his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants, both we and our fathers, are shepherds. Then they said to Pharaoh, We have come to live in the land for a while, because there is no grazing for your servants' sheep, since the famine in the land of Canaan has been severe. So now please let your servants settle in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your father and brothers have come to you, the land of Egypt is open before you. Settle your father and brothers in the best part of the land. They can live in the land of Goshen. If you know of any capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Joseph then brought his father Jacob and presented him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? Jacob said to Pharaoh, My pilgrimage has lasted one hundred and thirty years. My years have been few and hard and they have not surpassed the years of my fathers during their pilgrimages. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and departed from Pharaoh's presence. Then Joseph settled his father and brothers in the land of Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food for their dependents. But there was no food in that entire region, for the famine was very severe. The land of Egypt and the land of Canaan were exhausted by the famine. Joseph collected all the money to be found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they were purchasing, and he brought the money to Pharaoh's house. When the money from the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan was gone, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die here in front of you? The money is gone. But Joseph said, Give me your livestock. Since the money is gone, I will give you food in exchange for your livestock. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for the horses, the herds of sheep, the herds of cattle, and the donkeys. That year he provided them with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came the next year and said to him, We cannot hide from our Lord that the money is gone and that all our livestock belongs to our Lord. There is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish here in front of you, both us and our land? Buy us and our land in exchange for food. Then we with our land will become Pharaoh's slaves. Give us seed so that we can live and not die and so that the land won't become desolate. In this way, Joseph acquired all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh because every Egyptian sold his field since the famine was so severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph moved the people to the cities from one end of Egypt to the other. The only land he didn't acquire was that of the priests, for it was their allotment from Pharaoh. They lived off the allotment Pharaoh had given them, therefore they did not sell their land. When Joseph said to the people, Understand today that I have acquired you and your land for Pharaoh. Here is seed for you, sow it in the land. At harvest you are to give a fifth of it to Pharaoh, and four-fifths will be yours as seed for the field and as food for yourselves, your household, and your dependents. And they said, You have saved our lives. We have found favour in our Lord's eyes and will be Pharaoh's slaves. So Joseph made it a law, still in effect today in the land of Egypt, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. Only the priest's land does not belong to Pharaoh. Now Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years And his lifespan was 147 years. When the time drew near for him to die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise me that you will deal with me in faithful love. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I lie down with my fathers, carry me away from Egypt and bury me in their burial place. Joseph answered, I will do what you have asked. And Joseph said, Swear to me. So Joseph swore to him. Then Israel bowed in thanks at the head of his bed. Sometime after this, Joseph was told, your father is weaker. So he set out with his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you fruitful and numerous, I will make many nations come from you, and I will give this land as an eternal possession to your descendants to come. Your two sons born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are now mine. Ephraim and Manasseh belong to me just as Reuben and Simeon do. Children born to you after them will be yours and will be recorded under the names of their brothers with regard to their inheritance. When I was returning from Padan to my sorrow, Rachel died along the way, some distance from Ephrath in the land of Canaan. I buried her along the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? And Joseph said to his father, They are my sons God has given me here. So Jacob said, Bring them to me and I will bless them. Now Jacob's eyesight was poor because of old age he could hardly see. Joseph brought them to him, and he kissed and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, but now God has even let me see your offspring. Then Joseph took them from his father's knees and bowed with his face to the ground. Then Joseph took them both with his right hand Ephraim towards Israel's left, and with his left hand Manasseh towards Israel's right, and brought them to Israel But Israel stretched out his right hand and put it on the head of Ephraim the younger and crossing his hands put his left on Manasseh's head, although Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys and may they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow to be numerous within the land. When Joseph saw that his father had placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, he thought it was a mistake and took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's. Joseph said to his father, Not that way, my father. This one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a tribe and he too will be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he and his offspring will become a populous nation. So he blessed them that day with these words. Israel will invoke blessings by you, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh, putting Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Look, I am about to die. But God will be with you and will bring you back to the land of your fathers. Over and above what I am giving your brothers, I am giving you the one mountain slope that I took from the hand of Ab the Amorites with my sword and bow. There we end day 24. Day 25, going from Genesis 49 through to Genesis 50, verse 26, stopping off again in various places just to pick up some genealogies exciting as they are so day 25 Genesis 49 verse 1 then Jacob called his sons and said gather around and I will tell you what will happen to you in the days to come come together and listen sons of Jacob listen to your father Israel Reuben you are my firstborn my strength and the firstfruits of my virility excelling in prominence excelling in power turbulent as water you will no longer excel Because you got into your father's bed and you defiled it, he got into my bed. Simeon and Levi are brothers, their knives are vicious weapons. May I never enter their council, may I never join their assembly. For in their anger they kill men, and on a whim they hamstring oxen. Their anger is cursed, for it is strong, and their fury for it is cruel. I will disperse them throughout Jacob and scatter them throughout Israel, Judah your brothers will praise you your hand will be on the necks of your enemies and your father's sons will bow down to you Judah is a young lion my son you return from the kill he crouches he lies down like a lion and like a lioness who wants to rouse him the scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he whose right it is comes and the obedience of the peoples belong to him He ties his donkey to a vine and the colt of his donkey to the choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth are whiter than milk. Zebulun will live by the seashore and will be a harbour for ships and his territory will be next to Sidon. Ishkar is a strong donkey lying down between the saddlebags. He saw that his resting place was good and that the land was pleasant so he leaned his shoulder to bear a load and became a forced laborer. Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. He will be a snake by the road, a viper beside the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider falls backwards. I wait for your salvation, Lord. Gad will be attacked by marauding bands, but he will attack their heels. Asher's food will be rich, and he will produce royal delicacies. Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine beside a spring. It branches climb over the walls. The archers attacked him, shot at him, and were hostile towards him. Yet his bow remained steady, and his strong arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, by the God of your father who helps you, and by the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies below and blessings of the breasts and the womb. The blessings of your father excel the blessings of my ancestors and the bounty of the eternal hills. May they rest on the head of Joseph, on the crown of the prince of his brothers. Benjamin is a wolf. He tears his prey. In the morning he devours the prey, and in the evening he divides the plunder. These are the twelve tribes of Israel, twelve in all, and this was what their father said to them. He blessed them, and he blessed each one with a suitable blessing. Then he commanded them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. The cave is in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in the land of Canaan. This is the field Abraham purchased from Ephron the Hittite as a burial site. Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried there, Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried there, and I buried Leah there. The field and the cave in it were purchased from the Hittites. When Jacob had finished instructing his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and died. He was gathered to his people. Then Joseph, leaning over his father's face, wept and kissed him. He commanded his servants who were physicians to embalm his father, so they embalmed Israel. They took 40 days to complete this, for embalming takes that long, and the Egyptians mourned for him for 70 days. When the days of mourning were over, Joseph said to Pharaoh's household, If I have found favour with you, please tell Pharaoh that my father made me take an oath, saying, I am about to die. You must bury me there in the tomb that I hewed out for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go and bury my father, then I will return. So Pharaoh said, Go and bury your father in keeping with your oath. Then Joseph went to bury his father and all Pharaoh's servants, the elders of his household, And all the elders of the land of Egypt went with him, along with all Joseph's household, his brothers, and his father's household. Only their children, their sheep, and their cattle were left in the land of Goshen. Horses and chariots went up with him. It was a very impressive procession. When they had reached the threshing floor of Atad, which is across the Jordan, they lamented and wept loudly. And Joseph mourned seven days for his father. When the Canaanite inhabitants of the land saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they say they said, This is a solemn mourning on the part of the Egyptians. Therefore the place is called Abel Mizraim. It is across the Jordan. So Jacob's sons did for him what he had commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave at Machpelah in the field near Mamre, which Abraham had purchased as a burial site from Ephron the Hittite. After Joseph buried his father, he returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, If Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the wrong we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph, Please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sin, the wrong they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. Then his brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your little ones and he comforted them and spoke kindly to him to them we go into Ruth chapter four, eighteen. now this is the genealogy of Perez Perez fathered Hezron and in the first chronicles 2 5 to 8 Perez's sons Hezron and Hamul Zerah's sons Zimri, Ethan, Heman, Calcol and Dara five in all Carmi's sons, Ashkar, who brought trouble in Israel when he was unfaithful by taking what was devoted to destruction. Ethan's sons, Azariah. And then back into Genesis 50. Joseph and his father's household remained in Egypt. Joseph lived 110 years. He saw Ephraim's sons to the third generation. The sons of Manasseh's sons, Mahir, were recognized by Joseph. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. But God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land to the land he promised Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So Joseph made the Israelites take an oath. When God comes to your aid, you are to carry my bones up from here. Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. And then Exodus 1 verse 6. Then Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. And there we end our reading of days 25 as we prepare to go into Exodus. Bible in a year, day 26. And here we move into Exodus chapter 1 through to Exodus chapter 4, 18 with a lot of genealogies and a lot of kind of filling in the gaps and setting the scenes a little bit. But before we go into Exodus, we've touched on a few verses in previous days, but we just finish Genesis 47, 27. Israel settled in the land of Egypt In the region of Goshen, they acquired property in it and became fruitful and very numerous. And then we go into Exodus 1 verse 7, having read the previous six verses before. But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. A new king who had not known Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Let us deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further, and if war breaks out, they may join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labour. They built Phethom and Ramesses as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar and in all kinds of fieldwork. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. And then going into Numbers 26:59, The name of Amram's wife was Jehoiakabed, a descendant of Levi, born to Levi in Egypt. She bore to Amram, Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. And also to Exodus 6, verse 20. Amram married his father's sister Jehoiakabed. And she bore him Aaron and Moses. Amram lived 137 years. And then back into Exodus one fifteen. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other Pua. When you help the Hebrew woman give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. The Hebrew midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before a midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, You must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile but let every daughter live. And then we go into First Chronicles 23, 13. Amram's sons, Aaron and Moses. Aaron, along with his descendants, was set apart forever to consecrate the most holy things, to burn incense in the presence of the Lord, to minister to him, and to pronounce blessings in his name forever. And then into Exodus 2. And here you see why these jumping about in the chronological orders appear, because of course... Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. Seeing the basket among the reeds, she sent her slave girl to get it, and when she opened it she saw the child, a little boy, crying. She felt sorry for him and said, This is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a woman from the Hebrews to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. And then going into Exodus 6.23, Aaron married Elishabel, daughter of Abibnabad, and daughter of Nashon. She bore him Nadab and Abihu, Eliza and Ithamar. And then Numbers 26.60, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar were born to Aaron. First 1 Chronicles 6, 49. But Aaron and his sons did all the work of the most holy place. They presented the offerings on the altar of burnt offerings and on the altar of incense to make atonement for Israel, according to all that Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. And then back into Exodus 2, verse 11. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his town to his own people and observed their forced labour. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you attacking your neighbour? Who made you a leader and judge over us? The man replied. Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses became afraid and thought, What I did is certainly known. When Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then some shepherds arrived and drove them away, but Moses came to their rescue and watered their flock. When they returned to their father Rael, he asked, Why have you come back so quickly today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. "To so where is he? He asked his daughters. Why then did you leave the man behind? Invite him to eat dinner. Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave his daughter Zephora to Moses in marriage. She gave birth to a son who he named Gershom, for he said, I have become a stranger in a foreign land. In First Chronicles twenty-three fourteen to 15 as for Moses, the man of God, his sons were among the tribe of Levi. Levi? Levi. Moses' sons, Gershom and Eliezer. Exodus 6.25 Aaron's son, Eliezer, married one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the Levite families by their clan. And then back into Exodus 2.23 After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor, and they cried out, And their cry for help ascended to God because of their difficult labour. So God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God saw the Israelites and he took notice. Meanwhile Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors, and I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hibbites, and Jebusites. The Israelites cried to help, for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way that Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He answered, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are saying to the Israelites I am, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the Israelites Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, this is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has appeared to me and said I have paid close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt and I have promised that you and I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites a land flowing with milk and honey they will listen to what you say then you along with the elders of Israel must go to the king of Egypt and say to him the Lord the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. However, I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go unless he is forced by a strong hand. I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles that I will perform in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people such favor in the sight of the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Each woman will ask her neighbour and any woman staying in her house for silver and gold jewellery and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters, so you will plunder the Egyptians. And Moses answered, What if they don't believe me and will not obey me, but say, The Lord did not appear to you? The Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Then he said, Throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground and it became a snake, and Moses ran from it and the Lord told him, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak and when he took it out, His hand was diseased like snow. Then he said, put your hand back inside your cloak. He put his hand back inside his cloak and when he took it out again, it had become like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. And if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to what you say, take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because I am slow and hesitant in speech. The Lord said to him, Who made the human mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Moses said, Please, Lord, send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he is on his way now to meet you. When he sees you, his heart will rejoice. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will be your spokesman and you will serve as God to him. And take the staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. Then Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro and said to him, Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt and see if they are still living. Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. There we end, day 26. Day 27, reading from Exodus 4, verse 1 to Exodus 8, 15. And we go through Moses' instructions and his interactions with Pharaoh. In Exodus four nineteen. Now in Midian the Lord told Moses, Return to Egypt for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and set out for the land of Egypt. And Moses took God's staff in his hand. The Lord instructed Moses, When you go back to Egypt, make sure you do in front of Pharaoh all the wonders I have put within your power. But I will harden his heart so that he won't let the people go. Then you will say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me, but you refused to let him go. Now I will kindle your firstborn son. On the trip at an overnight campsite, it happened that the Lord confronted him and sought to put him to death. So Sephora took a flint, cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. Then she said, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. At that time she said You are a bridegroom of blood Referring to the circumcision Now the Lord had said to Aaron Go and meet Moses in the wilderness So he went and met him at the mountain of God And kissed him Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say And about all the signs he had commanded him to do Then Moses and Aaron went And assembled all the elders of the Israelites Aaron repeated everything the Lord had said to Moses And performed the signs before the people The people believed and when they heard that the Lord had paid attention to them and that he had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Later Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh responded, Who is the Lord that I should obey him by letting Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and what's more, I will not let Israel go. Then they answered, the God of Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, or else he may strike us with plague or sword. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you causing the people to neglect their work? Get to your labors. Pharaoh also said, Look, the people of the land are so numerous, and you would stop them from working. That day Pharaoh commanded the overseers of the people as well as their foremen don't continue to supply the people with straw for making bricks as before. They must go and gather straw for themselves, but require the same quota of bricks from them as they were making before. Do not reduce it, for they are slackers. That is why they are crying out. Let let us go and sacrifice to our god. Impose heavier work on the men. Then they will be occupied with it and not pay attention to deceptive words. So the overseers and foremen of the people went out and said to them. This is what Pharaoh says. I am not giving you straw. Go get straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but there will be no reduction at all in your workload. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The overseers insisted finish your assigned work each day, just as you did when straw was provided. Then the Israelite foremen whom Pharaoh's slave drivers had set over the people, were beaten and asked, Why haven't you finished making your prescribed number of bricks yesterday or today as you did before? So the Israelite foreman went in and cried for help to Pharaoh, Why are you treating your servants this way? No straw has been given to your servants, yet you say to us, Make bricks. Look, your servants are being beaten, but it is your own people who are at fault. But he said, You're slackers, slackers. That is why you are saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must produce the same quantity of bricks. The Israelite foremen saw that they were in trouble when they were told, you cannot reduce your daily quota of bricks. When they left Pharaoh, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who stood waiting to meet them. May the Lord take note of you and judge, they said to them, because you have made us reek in front of Pharaoh and his officials, putting a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses went back to the Lord and asked, Lord, why have you caused trouble for this people? And why did you ever send me? Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people and you haven't delivered your people at all. But the Lord replied to Moses, Now you're going to see what I will do to Pharaoh. He will let them go because of my strong hand. He will drive them out of his land because of my strong hand. Then God spoke to Moses telling him, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I did not make my name Yahweh known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land they lived in as foreigners. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore tell the Israelites, I am Yahweh, and I will deliver you from the forced labor of the Egyptians. And free you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You will know that I am Yahweh your God who delivered you from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Jacob and Isaac. And I will give it to you as a possession for I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their broken spirit and hard labor. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go from his land. But Moses said in the Lord's presence, If the Israelites will not listen to me, then how will Pharaoh listen to me, since I am such a poor speaker? Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them commands concerning both the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. It was this Aaron and Moses whom the Lord told, bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt according to their divisions. Moses and Aaron were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh king of Egypt in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. On the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh king of Egypt everything I am telling you. But Moses replied in the Lord's presence, since I am such a poor speaker, how will Pharaoh listen to me? The Lord answered Moses See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother will be your prophet. You must say whatever I command you, then Aaron your brother must declare it to Pharaoh, so that he will let the Israelites go from his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh will not listen to you, but I will put my hand in Egypt and bring out the ranks of my people, the Israelites out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. So Moses and Aaron did this. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh tells you, perform a miracle, tell Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh. It will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and did just as the Lord had commanded. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials and it became a serpent. But then Pharaoh called the wise men and sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, and they also did the same thing by their occult practices. Each one threw down his staff and it became a serpent. But Aaron's staff swallowed their staffs. However, Pharaoh's heart hardened and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh is unresponsive. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. When you see him walking out by to the water, stand ready to meet him by the bank of the Nile. Take in your hand the staff that turned into a snake. Tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But so far you have not listened. This is what the Lord says, here is how you will know that I am the Lord. Watch, I will strike the water in the Nile with the staff in my hand, and it will turn to blood. The fish in the Nile will die, the river will stink, and the Egyptians will be unable to drink water from it. So the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, canals, ponds, and all their water reservoirs, and they will become blood." There will be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in wooden and stone containers. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and his officials, he raised the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile was turned to blood. The fish in the Nile died, and the river smelt so bad the Egyptians could not drink water from it. There was blood throughout the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same thing by their occult practices. So Pharaoh's heart hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned around, went into his palace and didn't even take this to heart. All the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink because they could not drink the water from the river. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and tell him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. But if you refuse to let them go, then I will plague all your territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs. They will come up and go into your palace, into your bedroom and on your bed, into the houses of your officials and your people, and into your ovens and kneading bowls. The frogs will come up on you, your people, and all your officials. The Lord then said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the river, canals and ponds, and cause the frogs to come up onto the land of Egypt. When Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the the magicians did the same thing by their occult practices and brought frogs up onto the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and asked asked the Lord that he remove the frogs from from me and my people. Then I will let the people go and they can sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Make the choice rather than me, by saying when I should ask for you, your officials and your people, that the frogs be taken away from you and your houses and remain only in the Nile. Tomorrow, he answered. Moses replied, As you have said, so may you know, there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will go away from you, your houses, your officials and your people. The frogs will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord for help concerning the frogs that he had brought against Pharaoh. The Lord did it as Moses had said. The frogs in the houses, courtyards and fields died. They piled them in countless heaps and there were a terrible odour in the land. But when Pharaoh saw their relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. And there we end, day 27, where I couldn't pronounce a word with an L in it. Day 28 and the last day of week 4. We read from Exodus chapter 8 through 10 verse 27 and we continue through the plagues that haunted Pharaoh. Exodus 8 verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth and it will become gnats throughout the land of Egypt. And they did this. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and when he struck the dust of the earth, Gnats were on the people and animals. All the dust of the earth became gnats throughout the land of Egypt. The magicians tried to produce gnats using their occult practices, but they could not. The gnats remained on the people and animals. This is the finger of God, the magicians said to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's heart hardened and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. The Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh when you see him going out to the water. Tell him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me. But if you will not let my people go, then I will send swarms of flies against you, your officials, your people and your houses. The Egyptians' houses will swarm with flies and so will the land where they live. But on that day I will give special treatment to the land of Goshen, where my people are living. No flies will be there. This way you will know that I, the Lord, am in the land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will take place tomorrow. And the Lord did this. Thick swarms of flies went into Pharaoh's palace and his officials' houses. Throughout Egypt the land was ruined because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the country. But Moses said, It would not be right to do that because what we will sacrifice to the Lord, our God, is detestable to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what the Egyptians detest in front of them, won't they stone us? We must go to a distance of three days into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he instructs us. Pharaoh responded, I will let you go and sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but don't go very far. Make an appeal for me. As soon as I leave you, Moses said, I will appeal to the Lord and tomorrow the swarms of flies will depart from Pharaoh, his officials and all his people. But Pharaoh must not act deceptively again by refusing to let the people go and sacrifice to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh's presence and appealed to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses had said. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, his officials, and his people. Not one was left. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. But if you refuse to let them go and keep holding them, then the Lord's hand will bring a severe plague against your livestock in the field, the horses, donkeys, camels, herds, and flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that the Israelites own will die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. The Lord did this the very next day. All the Egyptian livestock died, but none among the Israelite livestock died. Pharaoh sent messengers who saw that not a single one of the Israelite livestock was dead. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he did not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of furnace soot, and Moses is to throw it toward heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the entire land of Egypt, It will become festering boils on people and animals throughout the land of Egypt. So they took furnace suit and stood before Pharaoh. Moses threw it toward heaven and it became festering boils on man and beast. Magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians as well as on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had told Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh. Tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Otherwise I am going to send all my plagues against you, your officials and your people. Then they will know that there is no one like me in all the earth. By now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague, and you would have been obliterated from all the earth. However, I have let you live for this purpose so that you may, to show you my power and to make my name known in all the earth. You are still acting arrogantly against my people by not letting them go. Tomorrow at this time I will rain down the worst hail that has ever occurred in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Therefore give orders to bring your livestock and all that you have in the fields into shelters. Every person and animal that is in the field and not brought inside will die when the hail falls on them. Those among Pharaoh's officials who feared the word of the Lord made their servants and livestock flee to shelters. But those who didn't take the Lord's word seriously left their servants and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven and let there be heal throughout the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. So Moses stretched out his staff towards heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and heal. Lightning struck the earth and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. The heel, with lightning flashing through it was so severe that nothing like it had occurred in the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout the land of Egypt the heel struck down everything in the field, both man and beast. The heel beat down every plant of the field and shattered every tree in the field. The only place it didn't heal was the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron. I have sinned this time, he said to them. The Lord is the righteous one and I and my people are the guilty ones. Make an appeal to the Lord. There has been enough of God's thunder and heal. I will let you go. You don't need to stay any longer. Moses said to him, When I have left the city, I will extend my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more heal so that you may know the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your officials... I know that you still do not fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were destroyed because the barley was ripe and the flax was budding, but the wheat and the spelt were not destroyed since they are later crops. Moses went out from Pharaoh in the city and extended his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and hail ceased and rain no longer poured down in the land. When Pharaoh saw that the rain, hail and thunder had ceased, he sinned again and hardened his heart, he and his officials. So Pharaoh's heart hardened and he did not let the Israelites go as the Lord had said through Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials so that I may do these miraculous signs of mine among them and so that you may tell your son and grandson how severely I dealt with the Egyptians and performed miraculous signs among them and you will know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and told him, this is what the Lord the God of the Hebrews says How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me let my people go so that they may worship me But if you refuse to let my people go then tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory They will cover the surface of the land so that no one will be able to see the land They will eat the remainder left to you that escape the hill They will eat every tree you have growing in the fields they will fill your houses, all your officials' houses, and the houses of all the Egyptians, something your fathers and ancestors never saw since the time they occupied the land until today. Then he turned and left Pharaoh's presence. Pharaoh's officials asked him, How long must this man be a snare to us? Let the men go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Don't you realize yet that Egypt is devastated? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh Go worship the Lord your God, Pharaoh said. But exactly who will be going? Moses replied, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, because we must hold the Lord's festival. He said to them, May the Lord be with you if I ever let you and your families go. Look out, you are planning evil. No, only the men may go and worship the Lord, for that is what you have been asking for. And they were driven from Pharaoh's presence. The Lord then said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt, and the locusts will come up over it and eat every plant in the land, everything that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord sent an east wind over the land all that day and through the night. By morning the east wind had brought in the locusts. The locusts went up over the entire land of Egypt and settled on the whole territory of Egypt. Never before had there been such a large number of locusts, and there will never be again. They covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was black, and they consumed all the plants on the ground and all the fruit on the trees that the heel had left. Nothing green was left on the trees or on the plants or in the field throughout the land of Egypt. Pharaoh urgently sent for Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Please forgive my sin once more and make an appeal to the Lord your God so that he will take this death away from me. Moses left Pharaoh's presence and appealed to the Lord. Then the Lord changed the wind to a strong east wind, sorry, to a strong west wind, and it carried off the locusts and blew them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the territory of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the Israelites go. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there will be a darkness over the land of Egypt—a darkness that can be felt." So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness throughout the land of Egypt for three days. One person could not see another, and for three days they did not move from where they were. Yet all the Israelites had liked where they lived. Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord, even your families may go with you. Only your flocks and your herds must stay behind. Moses responded, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings to prepare for the Lord our God. Even our livestock must go with us. Not a hoof will be left behind because we will take some of them to worship the Lord our God. We will not know what we will use to worship the Lord our God until we get there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he was unwilling to let them go. There we end day 28 and the end of week 4.